This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast, presented by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. We're going to start today by reminiscing on this past weekend of sports, and there were a lot of great events last weekend, particularly in college football and the MLB playoffs, Andrews. Yeah, uh, everywhere you turn, it was just rolling into one game after another. Uh, yeah, you went all day from college game day all the way to the wee hours of the morning where, where the Padres uh, took down the Dodgers. Um, so I'm pretty sure I wasn't the only one that stayed up and watched watched every single minute of the, the full day. But, um, you know, with, with that said, kind of what – what stuck out to you? What, where, where do you want to start? I think the biggest story of college football last weekend was Tennessee taking down Alabama. Who would have predicted that? Oh, wait, I did on, on the lost on the lost podcast that we were not able to post. But yeah, what what a game. Tennessee was seemed like they were dominating for pretty much the entire first half. And then Alabama comes back, ties it, and then takes a scoop and score back for a touchdown to take the lead. But Hendon Hooker and the Volunteers were able to were able to bounce back from that, not let that get to their head, eventually win the game in overtime. Yeah, not only the scoop and score, but Alabama thought they had the game won on a on an interception in the end zone. They returned it like 82 yards, and then uh, only to have it called back from a I'm sure what Alabama fans think is a questionable uh, defensive pass interference penalty there, and uh, gave the Vols new life, tied the game, and then the craziness in the in the last you know last final minute there, Alabama going for a final field goal miss, and then you know Hendon Hooker. Two plays uh, in about 19 seconds to get them in the field goal range and, and the balls kick a, a game winner, which I'm, I'm almost positive was, was blocked, uh, was, was tipped at the line. I think that's why it would look so funny going through the, the uprights there, but I just don't see a lot of people talking about that fact. Almost positive that the Alabama's defender, number 47, got, got their fingertips uh, on, on that ball. Uh, did that look blocked to you? I don't know. It didn't look blocked, but it did look like a knuckleball. Yeah, I, I, I could have sworn on the replays that that he got you know his his mitts on it, and but it just maybe wasn't maybe, and that's why it was swirling like that. But um, I haven't really seen anything to confirm or deny that. So maybe I'm just seeing things. But 
I could have sworn yeah. it looked blocked. <laughs> Regardless, he's a hero, hero in Tennessee this week. Absolutely. Knoxville. Got over it and got a lot of the fans rushing the field, taking down the goalposts. Yeah, Tennessee Six, apparently five. had ordered new goalpost new field goalposts before the game in case this happened. In case Tennessee won and they I guess they expected this to happen, which is pretty crazy, but a pretty awesome environment. Yeah, and, did you did you see that Tennessee has started GoFundMe um requesting money for like donations for the goalposts and they really? put both GoFundMe, they said that <laughs> their goal was to raise $150,000 because the SEC fined them 100, 100 grand and then goalposts are wow. you know about $30,000 um, and then plus labor, I'm sure, to install it. So they've wow. raised almost 100K in like 48 hours. That's crazy, but I bet it was worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% worth it. Uh, you know, they host, they host Tennessee Barring this Saturday so that they obviously need goalposts, you know, installed pretty quickly, which, to your point, is why they ordered it. The Tennessee Barring administration, the coaches were like, hey, well, like, we're willing to host it over here if you, if you don't have a goal, goalposts. <laughs> I bet they're willing to host. They'll rake in the money. But um, I said earlier that this game was in overtime. It did not end in overtime. It ended in the final seconds of regulation. But a game that did go to overtime is the Big 12 matchup between Oklahoma State and TCU, which it looked like Oklahoma State was thoroughly dominating. But TCU comes all the way back, goes to double overtime. They each score a touchdown in the first OT. And then TCU, down a field goal, scores a touchdown to win the game in second overtime. Yeah, double overtime in Fort Worth. What was it? It was uh, 30 to 16. Um, you know, Oklahoma State was dominating, like you said, up two touchdowns. And then, for whatever reason, Spencer Sanders started playing really bad. The Cowboys couldn't do anything on offense. Gosh, who, who would have who would have thought to doubt Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State, you know, going into this one? Oh, wait, us on the on the loss on the lost podcast, <laughs> right? Um, not me. That was that was you. I did not doubt Spencer Sanders. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm really, I was pulling for Oklahoma State and uh, they couldn't get the job done. But, uh, you know, props to TCU. They look, uh, they looked really good in that comeback. They definitely look at, um, as of now, the class of the Big 12. The, the question is, I think, you know, uh, as the lone undefeated team in the Big 12, you know, can they continue and, and finish the second half of the season undefeated and run the table? Um, to maybe make the college football playoff. What, 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 are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, TCU now ranked number eight in the country. They they've looked really good. And I was watching an interview on big, on the show Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus, and they had a TCU player on interviewing him, and he was just talking about how the team – the team thinks that nobody believes in them and they're out to show the college football world that they're a force to be reckoned with this season. And I think, I think that mentality has gotten them to where they are right now, undefeated and looking like the class of the big 12, looking like they could potentially make uh, a run to the college football playoff. If they're about, if they're able to finish out the slate, their next game is this Saturday. They host number 17, Kansas State. 
have games against West Virginia and Texas Tech before traveling to Texas, who looks really good with Quinn Ewers back. I think those two games are going to be – well, and then they go – they come to Waco and play Baylor, which is – I still think that's going to be a tough game. Going into your rival's home field, I know, I know Baylor's defense does not look good right now, Dropping 43 on, on Oklahoma State, even though it was in double overtime, very reasonable that they could do something like that again at Baylor. But I think those are three tough games, especially if we're able to get things back together in Waco. But but I think TCU could do it. I just I, – I, if I had to guess, I would say they're not going to go undefeated the rest of the season. Yeah, the big the Big Twelve just it still even feels like you know Iowa State probably should be Texas right on on Saturday and then um, Baylor is close to the bottom of the conference they are at the bottom of the conference uh, <laughs> as as well uh, but I, I think it's perfectly fine for us to objectively say like Baylor still looks really good their offense looks tremendously better in Week Six or week seven than, than it did, you know, to start the season and at BYU in week two. Like, don't you think, Pernay, don't Absolutely. you think it looks like incredibly, like just so much better, like light years ahead of where it was at the start of the season? Absolutely. And that's a – part of that is is the return of injured players like Ben Sims, Monterey Baldwin. Um, Khalil Keith is back, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so – I think a big part of that is the return of injured players, but it's also a testament to the offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, keeping this offense developing throughout the season. Um, yeah, it, it looks a lot better. It looked good with Kyron Jones in it, even when Blake Shapin went out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, both both Shapin and Squirrel are are still, I guess, up in the air for, for this weekend's game, upcoming like, uh, game against Kansas, but – Blake, you know, one of the reasons for their improvement is just Blake Shapin has gotten more experience and uh, more more reps as as a starting QB. And I think that was one of the things that we said at the onset of the year, right? If if the offense can, you know, they're they're going to start slow on offense, but if they can continue to to grow and then not turn the ball over, and Shapin can, you know, learn and develop quickly, then you know Baylor could be a really dangerous team. I didn't think we, I don't think anybody expected for their defense to to fall off a, off a cliff here. Um, but you know, that, that, that's where we are. But for that reason, I think the big 12, you know, even with Baylor and Iowa state at the bottom of the conference is still really competitive. And it seems like TCU might have a slip up, um, you know, somewhere along, along the lines, but it will be interesting to see how that plays out starting with this weekend against, uh, Kansas state. Um, yeah, but, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Oklahoma yeah. who looked like, who just looked totally outclassed in the last couple of games against TCU and Texas comes out and, and beats Kansas kind of beats out beats down on Kansas. The score was a little closer like 51 41, but they were thoroughly ahead the entire game. So you never know what's going to happen with this big 12, two losses in the big 12. Baylor is not out of this thing. It's they're going to have to do some real work on the defensive side of the football, but not all is lost just yet. No, no, def- definitely not. Um, Dylan Gabriel coming back for Oklahoma. I think a lot of a lot of quarterback injuries, right, across the Big Twelve. Crazy. 
when, when you think about it. Quinn Ewers, uh, yeah. Blake Shapin, uh, Dylan Gabriel, and and uh, Jalen Daniels, um, right? That's for, true. For I believe is still going to be out uh, when they face Baylor this weekend. Uh, but the backups have performed really, really well uh, across you know across the field, and then even TCU. Max Duggan started the season as a as a backup, and then ultimately won the starting job back. So it's been interesting, but because the Big Twelve is so competitive, I think we we also said right we we commented on the CFP and the you know who who could get to the playoff, and we think the Big Twelve is going to get left out just because they are so competitive. But one of the other reasons is because of the rise of the Pac-12. So you know as we kind of go across time zones here, Pernay, last game of the evening, USC Utah. In, you know, at, at the youth stadium, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams could not get the job done um, with two gutsy calls by, by Utah at the end there. Uh, what, what did you make of that? What do you make of the whole Pac-12 conference? Uh, I think that it was a great move, obviously, by Utah to go gutsy, go for two at the end of the game. They won the game. Um, Pac-12 in general, they're looking really good. The only issue for them is, of course, that UCLA and USC will be gone pretty soon. But at, for right now, the, the Pac-12 looks really good. They've got probably four really good teams in USC, UCLA, Utah, and Oregon. And they have three college football playoff contender like three teams still in the race in Oregon USC and UCLA yeah um USC specifically I think that even though they lost they weren't able to to hold on they showed that they're gonna be a force during this Lincoln Riley era um I don't know if many people expected them to be as good as they are already. They've got a bunch of transfers as reinforcements in different areas of their football team. But Lincoln Riley has come in and, and done a great job immediately. In year one, they are currently ranked number 12 in the country, were top 10. And... USC is is going to be back soon. Everyone says it about Texas. I truly believe it'll be the case with USC. Yeah, that was um, – we'll see. They still have UCLA. They still get to play Oregon, I believe. Um, so they have, they, have, they have time to re, you know, uh, bounce back from this, this loss. Um, they don't have Oregon. I'm mistaken, but they are, and they do have UCLA at the, uh, at the end of the season there, followed by Notre Dame, which Notre Dame looks very questionable. Um, you know, Cam, back-to-back plays, Cam Rising, basically a design quarterback draw, and then a, um, a scramble on fourth and goal, and then the two-point conversion to barely get in the end zone um, to win. That was just like, it's just so good to see you know, Pac-12 football, like those games after dark, you know, matter. Uh, and this was one of the games that, that definitely mattered. And they've had uh, games already, big games, high-profile games that have definitely mattered this year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, UCLA take on Oregon. 
UCLA and USC, the rivals that are leaving to the Big Ten, play at the end of the year. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of hope there. And the games, what I what I found interesting, every single this this weekend was so hyped in the college football world with all the top you know top ten and top fifteen matchups, and basically every every single game uh, delivered. Uh, right, Tennessee beat. <clears throat> beat Alabama and basically like unearthed. It was like, it was like Tennessee traditions have been in a time capsule for time capsule for 15 years. And they were basically unearthed on Saturday um, in, in Knoxville because literally like, I don't remember any of that, you know, growing up the JC lane delight, you know, obviously the storm in the field and breaking the goalposts off. I can't, I can't remember the last time a, a fan base tore down goalposts in college football. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the field goalposts were literally unearthed. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. And, and most schools have like found ways to like put them down or like protect them from being destroyed during field storms. So I, I just feel like it's been a, you know, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's been a while since that's happened. It was just, uh, you know, the sheer, sheer force of it all beating Alabama, you know, in a rivalry game that we haven't seen. It was just, you know, baptizing the, uh, the, the goalposts in the Tennessee river and marching them down the, you know, uh, Knoxville strip, you know, everything, just everything was new and refreshing, which it's so rarely seen in college football where it's like, just, oh my gosh, like there's a whole other side of, of the college football experience and traditions that, I don't, you know, nobody I would say has experienced since, you know, really the nineties, maybe early two thousands where it's been that, you know, between Tennessee and, and Alabama specifically where it's been that, uh, you know, intense and important of a, of a game here uh, that we're talking about national championship implications. And it's interesting, all three of those games to me, 52-49, right, Tennessee over Alabama, 43-40, TCU over Oklahoma State, double overtime, and 43-42, Utah over USC. And great, you know, great offensive battle, definitely defense here and there. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's good. And then I think back, and none of them live up to the 61-58 game of Baylor beating TCU. Just, be, like, think about how many more points that is uh, then, you know, then what we got on Saturday is every single game lived up to the hype on Saturday. And then I was just reflecting back on the historicness of, of that 2014 game of Baylor and TCU. And I was like, wow, like with how great all these games were still, none of them even matched that, you know, that, that game from a point standpoint. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a timely week to reflect back on that 61-58 win that season because we all know that the only reason Baylor didn't get into the playoff that year was because they lost at Morgantown, just like Baylor did on Saturday. 0-6, 0-6. 0-6 all time. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, 0-6 all time. Hopefully, hopefully we can win some of the road games this year. Dave Aranda's got to prove that he can win on the road. He has He's picked up one Big 12 road win so far at Iowa State. But but he's got to he's got to do some damage on the road. We 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 still have some big road games coming up. See we'll see what happens. Um, but I quickly want to ask you what you think of of Michigan because while most of the big games lived up to the hype, and even Syracuse, NC State, Syracuse is undefeated by the way, knocks yeah. off NC State, number fourteen in the country. But but Michigan, Penn State. That was the top 10 matchup going into the weekend. Michigan in the second half just bulldozes Penn State. Yeah, they, and, they really um, and wins 41 to 17. Yeah, they, they ran away from them for now. I think what they, they did they finish with 400 yard rushing yards, uh, Michigan did um, on the ground there. So uh, it was really interesting. You know, the, the first half was kind of going as as I thought it might, uh, you know, tight, tight back and forth, top 10 matchup. And then, uh, uh, and then, you know, Michigan kind of put their stamp on the game in, in the second half and, and ran away uh, with, with it all. So what um, they only allowed three points in the second half to Penn state really only allowed seven points in the first half because Penn state had a fumble return for a touchdown and ultimately, you know, had, all those rushing yards against the Nittany Lions to, to really prove themselves. And it kind of depends on how, how high you were on Penn state uh, to, to look at it and say like, Hey, was this a good victory or, or whatnot? But I, I definitely think it was, I think anytime you beat a team like that, especially coming out of halftime and just, you know, putting your foot down um, and doing what you're quote unquote supposed to do as a top four team uh, definitely definitely deserves some respect. I, I do think, I know Ohio State was on a bye, but I do think Ohio State is still the best team in the, in the Big Ten. And, and probably, uh, I, I have it at, at Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State at this point. Um, and then Clemson, Michigan is my top five. But uh, it's going to come down to Michigan and Ohio State. So it will be interesting to see if they, you know, if they can, if both of those teams can keep going, you know, Ohio State still has to survive Penn State on the road. And then, you know, if both of those teams can be undefeated leading up for, you know, that season finale type thing. Uh, but the winner of that game should, should win the Big 12, uh, Big 10 championship and have a really good shot to advance. Will, will win the Big 10 championship, the winner of that game. Yeah, unless you, unless you like Illinois or Purdue or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see Michigan play Illinois right before that Ohio State game on November nineteenth. So it'll it'll show us how good Illinois is. But I know I know we've talked about the SEC 
having a good shot of getting two teams in. And even that 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 possible chance that they have three one-loss teams and Tennessee loses to Georgia. Georgia goes on to the SEC championship game and loses to Alabama. And then you have Alabama, Georgia, and and uh, Tennessee and potentially, potentially an undefeated Ole Miss right now who could also end up with one loss, sitting at one loss. But what are the chances, do you think, of – both Ohio State and Michigan getting into playoff this year. So I don't. I th- I feel like Michigan is going to bulldoze their way through the rest of this season. Um, that only the only ranked matchup left is that Illinois at home, who should who they should easily knock off, and then they go into Ohio State. So what happens if Ohio State beats Michigan in a tight one and then goes on to win the Big Ten championship? Yeah, um, it's a great question because I think there are a lot of different variables and factors at play. Um, like like you said, we we've talked and I've I've brought up I think more often than not the the three team possibility of the SEC, um, you know, all having one loss. Uh, I know I shared a tweet with you. I think it was from College Football Reddit that said, you know, hey, potentially four teams could end with one loss in the SEC because Ole Miss is right there um, in the top ten as well, and they you know they're looking pretty good. Uh, I think. Do I think three teams is a likelihood to get into the college football playoff from one conference? Probably not. I don't think that's going to happen. Two teams, yes, we've seen it happen twice before. Um, I think the SEC is more likely to get two teams in than the Big Ten. Um, And I think the SEC is more likely to finish with two teams with only one loss than than the Big Ten. So for that reason, I think Ohio State, Michigan is, is more of an elimination game. Um, and and the committee would defer to the, the SEC. Again, I think it depends on like, you know, how the game goes, how close it is. Um, there's, there's a lot of factors at, at play. Um, but for, for it just it's just interesting. You know, for example, if Tennessee runs the table and then loses to Alabama in the SEC title game, both of those teams would make it. I think I think that's a you know, no brainer. Um if if Georgia uh if Georgia makes if Georgia beats Tennessee and then loses to Alabama, I think that's where you have the three one loss team scenario. Uh, but I still only think two teams get in uh, from that perspective. But I, I just honestly, I, I just don't think there's enough meat on the bone for Michigan or Ohio State to lose that game against Michigan, uh, you know, lose the, the game, the rivalry game, and still make the college football playoff without a, a division title or a conference title. I think, uh, I think there's, they're, you know, they're going to need a lot of extra help in order to get in if that if that were the case do you think it's just that their resumes aren't strong enough because 100 percent. okay because like if ohio state gets past penn state their road game against penn state this weekend which they they should obviously it'll be tougher than michigan Penn State because it's at Penn State, but Ohio State should get past that. At that point, it's pretty much a lock that Michigan and Ohio State went out, play each other. One of them loses, finishes with that one loss, and the other one wins the Big Ten championship and goes undefeated. And then you have the Big Ten champ in 
a one loss Michigan or Ohio State sitting there with yeah. no blemish, no other blemish on their resume except for I'm assuming a, a tight loss. If it's blowout, that's a different story. But if it's a tight loss to the big ten, to the undefeated Big Ten champ, and then you've got Alabama who probably should have lost to Texas if Quinn Ewers was healthy, who probably should have lost to AM if if AM handled that the end of that game correctly, sitting there with two very tight losses to two okay teams. Texas maybe Texas is, is better than okay, but without Quinn Ewers, I'd say they're just an okay team. Alabama was missing Bryce Young for that AM game, but that's I, true. I that's true. Looking at Michigan, I mean the non conference games atrocious. Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. That's true. So that that's what I'm thinking. Um They'll have wins over Penn State, Illinois, and then they'll have the game against Ohio State. That It's at Ohio State, so let's just assume they lose a close one. So basically two ranked wins. Um, and then they have you know Nebraska, Rutgers, Michigan State, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland. They've already beaten half those teams, right? But none of those really stand out to me. Ohio State. <clears throat> Ohio State, they had the win against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I think we all know, is not a top five team. You know, so they're not but but that's a better already that's a better non conference person, you know, opponent than yeah than others. They do have Arkansas State and Toledo. Um and they have, you know, again, a garbage, you know, they'll have Penn State and Michigan as the ranked teams, mm-hmm. as their only ranked teams. And then they beat Wisconsin Rutgers, they'll have Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, us and Iowa still on their schedule. So to me, that's just that's just not enough. You have to win you have to win the conference in my in my opinion. Um, and then I want to see, you know, so I mean that's to me, I, I just don't think the full body of work is there, even though the eye test may be uh, there. And for me, the eye test for Michigan up until last week against Penn State was not was not the greatest. Um, I, I think they took a step forward against Penn State, but to me, they weren't really passing the uh, the eye test too much. Was that because of their offense or their defense? It was, yeah, just more so struggling against bad teams gotcha. like Maryland. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, no, I probably agree with you at the end of the day. Like, like, like tennis, okay. Tennessee, for example, they got – they beat Pitt, right? Pitt's one of the topper, you know, top teams in the uh, in the ACC. Um, they still have some bad non-conference teams as well, but they're in the SEC, so they have ranked opponents. They still have Kentucky and Georgia to play. They've been LSU and Florida and Alabama. Um, Georgia, of course, played um, Oregon and annihilated them, right? And then Alabama, you know, they beat Texas, and that was bad injury luck from from Texas, but but they did get the the W over them. So out of out of those three, out of those four teams, to me, five teams, who has the softest non conference schedule and overall schedule? I think it's I think it's pretty clear that it's Michigan. Yeah, Michigan, and then Ohio State. The the three SEC teams for okay. sure for sure have have better better schedules. Um, 
Yeah. 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 Not, yeah. I guess there's not much of a chance unless unless full chaos happens or continues to happen because it's been happening the entire season. I mean, we're sitting here with Syracuse and Clemson both undefeated in the ACC. UCLA undefeated in the Pac-12 right now. Obviously, TCU in, in the Big 12. There's a there's a lot to there's a lot that's gonna happen in these next six weeks. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. Well, it'll be a wild ride, and you know Baylor needs to get right on homecoming. Uh, be interesting to see what happens in the SEC as well as Big Ten and Pac. You know, just everywhere, man. Just just everywhere. Yeah, that that run defense is gonna be huge for Baylor this weekend. They're gonna have to do something to stop the run. They got absolutely torched against West Virginia. But hopefully homecoming will spark something. I think that's a very real possibility. Um, it's kind of around when Baylor started to take off that homecoming game against BYU last year. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Kansas doesn't look unbeatable. They, I mean, they just got beat back-to-back weeks. But they are a good team. We'll, we'll see are. what happens. What are you thinking? If you had to pick – you have a, a winner and a score prediction for this weekend. Uh, give me Baylor thirty-eight thirty-one. Okay, Defense. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Baylor thirty-eight thirty-five. Nice. All right, that's all for us today. Thanks for listening as always, and sick of bears. <laughs>